Tonight on the Attack of the Killer Podcast TV movie, world television premiere, a very special presentation, in association with Attack of the Killer Podcast Television, sponsored by Krusty Flake Cereal and Blurg Beer. You've never been truly drunk until you've had Blurg. And Attack of the Killer Podcast TV, bringing you the best in television entertainment since 1959. This presentation is closed captioned for the hearing impaired. Viewer discretion is advised. Now sit back and enjoy this feature presentation right after these commercial messages. Oh shit, I forgot I forgot to tell them the name of the movie. Made for TV horror on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer adjust your tv set it is time once again for attack of the killer podcast i am your lord and master insane mike and this episode we are talking about made for tv movies back in the day when there was only like you know three or four tv networks certain movie certain movies were made specifically for television broadcast which nowadays doesn't sound so weird since every channel is creating its own original content, even all the streaming channels. <clears throat> and there's like movies made for Netflix, movies made for Hulu, there's even movies made for Crackle. Joe Dirt 2, anyone? Uh huh. Yep, garbage. Not good. <clears throat> and sometimes, with the exception of Joe Dirt 2, that stuff is better than what's playing in the theaters. So back then, though, budgets were extremely low. So low that Ed Wood would be embarrassed of the quality of the films. However, in the right hands of a great filmmaker, some classic films were made. Many we for, many that we even forget were originally made for television. Oh, and speaking of money, this would be a great time for a segue. Every day, Attack of the Killer podcaster goes hungry in this country. And for a simple price of a cup of coffee you can make the difference in a podcaster's life. Just go to patreon.com backslash AOTKP. Help those poor podcasters, like little Jimmy here. Oh, and by the way, the money will go to help improve the podcast and not to feed any of the podcasters. <laughs> there are perks to donating. Some say bribes, but it's really perks. Such as getting to pick a commentary episode for us to do, there is also bonus episodes you get for donating. So again, that's patreon.com backslash AOTKP. Now, Attack of the Killer Podcast is a proud member of the Phantom Podcast Network. I know what you're saying. You're saying, Mike, what is the Phantom Podcast Network? Well, I'll tell you. Just calm down already. Phantom Podcast Network is a horror network featuring various horror-themed podcasts, such as us! Now I know what you're saying. You're saying, Mike! What is Attack of the Killer Podcast? <laughs> Boy, you ask a lot of questions. Attack of the Killer Podcast is a show about a group of friends who all, love, who all, all have a love for horror movies. We select a topic and openly discuss movies that fall within that topic. It's an open, free discussion. 
that can go anywhere at any time. And most times, it goes to Doctor Who. However, many times, <laughs> the discussion leads to this little epidemic we call spoilers. So heads up. Oh my great gravy, would you look at the time. It's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He started to turn up the brightness on his television while watching the Kardashians. It didn't help. Brian Clark, everybody. I talk some TV, and now the news. Don't touch that dial. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I think that right. was mostly just for Jason. But yeah. He you learned get that. brightness. Uh-huh. <laughs> he learned everything about sex from scrambled cable channels. So when he did finally have sex, he was so confused why there wasn't any squiggly lines. And why everything wasn't purple and orange. Ted Good, everyone! It's all true. It's all true. <laughs> Next up, he slices, he dices, he even cuts tin cans. Jason Bollinger! It's true. I can cut through his shoe if I have to. What's up, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> this pause is scary. Okay. I know, it's me next. Yep. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm I'm picking one here. <laughs> she taped a she taped a sheet of paper to her television so she could watch pay per view. Terry Turford. <laughs> uh, the the uh, fact that you had to pause and go through options made that was a little nerve wracking, and that, it was pretty mild. That's okay. Well, I have another one here for Sam Hayes, and, but Sam Hayes couldn't join us tonight because he he is. Okay, this won't make sense. I tried to rephrase it. The other the other one I had written down was for Sam, and he is just like a TV remote. It takes batteries to turn them on, so. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, sorry, whatever. I completely stepped on you. you. I didn't. You didn't get to say hi. Say hi. Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, hey. <laughs> they don't care. I, yeah. I would have felt bad otherwise. <laughs> oh, so how's everybody doing? Good. Everybody Good. still recovered from Halloween of Palooza? Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh-huh. Man, that live show was fun. That was a fun, fun show. I hope everybody out there listened to the live show because it was a lot of fun doing it. And it was a lot of fun listening to it, too. I had, I had a good time going back and listening to it. So good. Our first ever live show. New milestone here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. Yeah, it only took six years to do it. That's yeah. Good. So, then, without any further ado, it's time for some killer news. Now it's time for Killer News. Ripped straight from the headlines on Attack of the Killer Podcast. I was just going to say, I'm getting really tired of reporting that awesome people have died. <laughs> yeah. And then it occurred to me that we didn't even talk about Toby Hooper when he passed. Yeah. But mm. Umberto Lenzi died yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that sucks. And the world became a less scummy, sleazy place because of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a compliment. Yes. And that's, that's, a, that's too bad. That really sucks. What else it, we got? It was oh, an unfortunately one of those cases of I didn't even know he was still alive. And <laughs> <laughs> when I found out, I was still sad anyway. Yeah, definitely. Didn't he pop up in a 
Eli Roth movie. I think maybe I'm thinking of. Um, it's probably in Hostel because I know a couple of the directors that Roth worships. Yeah, had little cameos in that. Takashi Miike was in it. Yeah, Diodato was in it. I know that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a bummer. Favorite uh, Umberto Lindsay movie? Go. Oh, it's got to be Cannibal Ferox. Yeah, Cannibal Ferox. Yeah, Cannibal Ferox. Although Nightmare City is pretty awesome. You do love Nightmare God City. God damn, I do love Nightmare City. I love me <laughs> some burnt oatmeal on zombies' faces, man. The movie's just bananas. <laughs> it is. And it's a comfort... I'm, I think I'm going to change my answer to Nightmare City. Because, well, it's a comfort food movie. Like, I can't put in Cannibal Ferox and just let it play in the background. But I do that with Nightmare City quite frequently. He also... I mean, we have him to... Well, thank, blame, however you want to put it, for the whole Italian cannibal thing in the first place. Because the man from Deep River was what kicked the whole thing off. Oh, yeah, I forgot Although that was his. That's more of a just a jungle adventure movie like there's there's a little bit of cannibal stuff right at the end but it's not really the main thrust of the movie yeah i was gonna say i was a little disappointed in that movie the first first time i saw it. it's a great movie don't get me wrong but that was at the the height of my i want to see all the all the disgusting italian stuff i can find and um when i discovered there was a whole subgenre of italian cannibal films yeah. and this was like the one that started it all like oh yeah sweet but like that, it hardly ever happens in the movie. It takes like forever yeah. to get to that. So it's more one that I appreciate for its historical importance. Absolutely. Than, like it's like you said, it's not one you sit down and just throw on in the background. Like it's fairly slow. It's you know a little boring through the middle chunk. But yeah. What about favorite Toby? That's not Chainsaw. Favorite Toby? That's not a Chainsaw movie. Oh, uh, shit. Um, well, somebody else go What's first. What's the huh? alligator one? Eaten Alive? Or... Eaten Alive, oh, yeah. yep. Eaten Alive's the alligator one. Yeah. That's yours, Terry? I guess, because it's the only one I can think of. <laughs> he was awesome in body bags, too. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Tie into this episode. Nice. Boom. <laughs> and Brian, did I hear you say Life Force? Life Force, yeah. Yeah! Hard in a way, Life Force. They're just naked ladies, that's why you guys like it. No, it's really well, it's good though. One naked it lady helps. in particular. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> Through all right. the whole thing. <laughs> but it's a super fun movie too. It's got all kinds of neat wackadoodle 80s special effects funded by the Canon boys, Golan and Globus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's... I absolutely love the fun house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was, oh, I was leaving. That's what I was gonna say. Mine was. But he didn't really direct that, did he? I mean, oh, here I we know. go. We know. Yeah, that's that's true. Yes. <laughs> it's for debate. It's for debate. Like, if you talk to the actors, they would. To- a lot of them would totally said it was Toby. But that's the thing, right? I mean, that's the big chunk of the director's job is directing the actors. A lot of times when Jason and I make a movie, he'll take care of technical stuff while I while I deal with the actors. Yeah, I hate dealing with actors. <laughs> but I'm like, let me let me handle what's on the frame. Yep. Yeah. So <clears throat> Um 
Did everybody go? You said poltergeist, right? Poltergeist, Jay. probably. Man. Now I think I should have went first, because now... Toolbox. That he toolbox means that you call the host of the show, Jason. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> of knowledge. That toolbox remake was pretty awesome, yes. Um, spontaneous Combustion? No. You're just naming them now. Showing off and pick one. Invaders of Mars? No. Nope. Um, ah, shit. I'll probably... The Mangler was pretty alright. I yeah. mean, Robert England was fun in that, anyway. Yeah. I, I may have to go with uh, with Life Force. I'm just trying to think of ones that have the most rewatchability for me, and it's probably <laughs> Life Force. Uh, yeah, but fun. It's, the, it's the closest thing we're ever going to get to an American-made Quatermass movie. <laughs> yeah, movie um, is fucking bonkers. Now I want to go watch it, it again right now. <laughs> it is bonkers, and that's what's so cool about it. But Funhouse is a really close second. Really close second, man. Damn. Okay. All right. Uh, do we have uh, what else is going on in the world of horror? Well, there's. I don't. I just saw that Freddy Krueger's joining Dead by Daylight. Somebody know what that means? Sweet. Yeah. What's Dead by Daylight? <laughs> it's that uh, new fucking super scary video game that Dustin was always running oh, about, right? Oh yeah. You I thought that. Yeah. Is that the one that Larry Fessenden worked on? Did it, like wrote the script for it and did some voice work or something for sure. it? I don't know a fucking <laughs> thing about video games. Dude, I've been meaning to tell you this for quite a while now. The Evil Within 2 came out recently. Oh, yeah, recently. that's the one. And um, uh, Trent Haga co-wrote that. Awesome. And you want to know, like, I'm not going to mention where I work specifically. Uh-huh. But you know how surreal it is to be at work and to hear an interview with Trent Hagen on our up. on our company television. That's fucked up. Yeah, it was so freaking weird. I'm like, that's the dude from fucking Terra Firmer. I know, that's so crazy. <laughs> that's one of the diaper mafia from Classic <laughs> Avenger Part Four. <laughs> and here he's talking about like answering all these serious questions about this video game that's he cool. wrote. Good for him. No, that's great. Yeah, it's awesome. Long, it's come a long way since the Killjoy movies, that's for sure. Another awesome piece of news. There's a new Holliston episode, dude. That's freaking amazing. And it's a Halloween episode. Where can we see it? At, you know, their website. At the Aeroscope. Aeroscope, however the fuck. Is it free to watch? Yeah. And they have all 29 of their Halloween episodes or whatever's Sweet. on their site, too. But and, is, and does it have, like, commentary track where Adam Green bitches about... Yeah, probably. How, Stop how it. free and no Stop. one's buying his t-shirts? Stop it. Okay, sorry. Anyway, I watched it, and it's fucking great. Oh, I can't wait. It's so good to see the gang, and it's hilarious. Can't wait. Yep. And then our pal Tad, he went to something really cool. What was that? I went to Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando. Fucking jealous! Son of a... <laughs> well, it's something that we've been going to for... I think this is our fourth year in a row. It's just something that uh, we get to... I don't know. We, we use up our credit card points and fly there. And we share a room with a bunch of friends. And we just do it the cheapest possible way we can do it. But it's, it's a blast. Um, 
Yeah, and this year this year was very heavy on the um, IP houses, intellectual property houses. So they based them on actual um, licensed, you know, film franchises or horror movies. So um, this year they had one based on Kubrick's The Shining, which was really awesome. Nice. Uh, really big house with you know like twenty jack twenty jacks within it, and uh, every classic scene from the movie was in in the house really cool uh, they had a saw house which wasn't that great because it was sort of you just sort of walk through and saw people in traps there was nothing really you know scary about it it's still sort of cool because they're like movie sets when you walk through them but uh to me it, i didn't there was no threat to the people walking through the house um let's see there was american horror story for its second year which was pretty cool if you if you like the show uh, house is really cool. The one I thought was really pretty weak was they they had a whole house based on the uh, Blum House. So this year they oh, they did awesome. well. This year the choices were sort of weird because they did Insidious, Sinister, and then The Purge. And the Sinister part of the house is where you start off at, and there wasn't much to it. But um, when you got to the the part that was the purge, um, it was clear that they originally planned on doing this part based on their um, Ouija movies, mm. and then they, they must have lost the license or something because then they just like pretty much tore the place up, spray painted over it, and stuck some purge actors inside. So I don't know. It was pretty generic. And then the last half, or yeah, probably the last half of the house was Insidious, which was the highlight and it was, it was pretty cool but wasn't a great great house overall hmm. and then they did um they had an ash vs evil dead house which was oh shit one of one of my favorite houses but not a fan favorite people I, i'm guessing it's because people aren't familiar with it and didn't understand that it was not supposed to be um necessarily scary more funny uh-huh because uh you walked in and there was, I mean, there, there was a, there was a scene where, you know, an actor playing Ash had like a corpse draped upon his shoulders and his face was sticking out of the corpse's ass. (laughs) (laughs) A famous scene from the second scene. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then, um, they sort of mixed some, some classic stuff in there too, because I mean, the show references the movies too, but there was a, Within the house, they had a full-size cabin built, and Ash would like shoot deadites in the in the cabin, which was awesome. Uh, and then at the end, they had uh, the Ashy Slashy puppet, which was cool too. Aww. Uh, but I, I love that house just because I I think it's because I love the series, I love the movies. Uh, put Ash anywhere, and I'm I'm sold. Uh-huh. But to me, the highlight of the whole event, they have what they call scare zones, which are sort of open areas. Um, between each house that you have to walk through, and and they did one based on Trick or Treat this year, uh, Michael Doherty's Trick or Treat, and and how they did it was it's in like an enclosed um, area of the park with trees all around you, um, and they filled the trees with thousands of pumpkins that lit up, and then they had um, small doors every probably fifteen feet that you could like tr- you could knock on, sort of like you were trick or treating, but they had all the um, the creepy kids that were in the bus accident there dressed up. They had 
Sam. They had probably three or four Sams in various stages. They had like an unmasked Sam, and then you know Sam with his burlap sack, and then they had one that was sort of half torn off, missing an arm. Um, they had they had the candy scene, and they had a um, a dummy rigged up to sort of puke on the steps on the people as they were walking past, which was awesome. <laughs> Uh, they, they thought of everything for this scare zone, and it was just so so beautiful. They they really do pay attention to the details. They really do care. Um, it's just something that's really awesome. The scare zones this year, I think, were were some of the best because they also did the purge, which they they turned part of the park into a live purge that you walk through. Oh, cool. And uh, they had a, a school bus that they were doing auctions, like you could you could stop and bid on people. Which is really cool, um, and then and then another one of the scare zones was which was really cool was called Invasion, and it was set in 1955. A UFO had crashed in part of the park, and they had old um, sort of sort of cheesy sci-fi aliens walking around, very uh, Mars Attack style, everything with neon lights and uh, ray guns and that kind of thing, and. Cool. I, I, I just love that look and feel. It wasn't serious. It was very uh, tongue-in-cheek, but that was another part that was really awesome. So I'm not going to ramble anymore about the event, but uh, it was a great year for it, and I recommend if anybody can make it. It's it's going on for another couple of days, but um, next year, you know, when it comes back around, I always wow. recommend this event for any horror fans. It's, it's It's beautiful, and it's awesome, and I love it. That's awesome. Sounds so cool. Man, need to go. Group trip. <clears throat> Sweet. And then lastly, it was just a recap of Halloween and Palooza. I had two questions. One, it was Tad's first year. Wonder what he thought. Yeah. Since he's since his voice is all warmed up, maybe he can go. <laughs> oh, I I had a blast. I brought some friends who had never heard of the event, and you know, convince them if I'm going, you guys might as well come with me. <laughs> they, they came and, uh, they were impressed that this event existed so close to us and it was so well organized and there was always something going on. Um, I think, like I said, I think they were just impressed that, that Iowa has a horror con and it was fun. And there was, there was a lot of activity going on. There was a lot of people there. It was, the vibe was awesome. There was never a dull moment. It was almost like uh, we wanted to be at two places at once. We were like, oh, we <laughs> want to see this short, and then we want to go see this and that. And it was like, I, we, I guess eventually we had to find time to eat and stuff, but it was a blast. <laughs> Try to. It was a blast. And uh, we, we had a ton of fun. They had a ton of fun. Everybody, they, they want to come back. So Cool. Awesome. Yeah. And then it was Brian's second year. I was yeah. curious to see if it got any better. Yeah, and finding time to eat is a bitch and a half. It really is. Because there's <laughs> and there's so much stuff we wanted to do this year too. Um yeah, yeah this year was better than last year. Good. I oh, mean it, it awesome. was bigger, it was there's more stuff going on, it was just a blast. The kids got more into it. Um we kinda knew what to expect. You know, your first year going to any convention, it's uh-huh. even a smaller one, it's almost kind of just um like sensory overload like you're just looking around going oh what do we do and i <laughs> i didn't get to see 
any of the films except for the middle third of uh, Psycho Magnet, which was really funny, but without the context of oh, the first part of the movie, yeah. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> oh, but yeah. I, I, that was the one thing that kind of bummed me out. But being there with the kids, I kind of wanted to make sure they had fun. I just didn't want to just you know plunk us down in a dark room the whole time. Yeah. But um, yeah, doing the live show was a blast. And then the Mortal Kombat tournament, Phoenix wanted to enter, and I was afraid that. He, and, and he told me beforehand, he was like, I expect to just lose to a grown-up right away. So it made me feel a little better. But I, I was afraid, you know, he'd get in it and get all excited and then just get clobbered and be yeah. like kind of down on himself. And he wound up kicking some ass and getting second place. Yeah. So he was flying pretty high on that. And then uh, my little Rick Baker, Isabella, she uh, got <laughs> second, second place in the zombie walk this year. We actually found a little, I mean, it wasn't anything fancy, just a quickie makeup kit from walmart for like five bucks with yeah. had some liquid latex and a little bit of fake blood and some some uh like eye blackout makeup for it but she made herself and me up and awesome. once again Aww. we just kind of stumbled around chewing on phoenix as we were walking yep. around the town yep. <laughs> you know, he's almost 13 he's too cool he doesn't want to yep. you know, do that mm-hmm. he figured it was still a better thing to do than just sitting in the room while we were doing that so he came with and we just pretended he was our human victim so <laughs> he was getting a little tired of it by the end of the walk yeah. <laughs> but yeah it was a blast and when you do find time to eat that little diner downstairs is really good so. good yeah it is yeah cool yay feedback I'll say yeah. a- another highlight was watching um, my adult friend get beat by um your kid in the Mortal Kombat <laughs> tournament just because uh, we talked him into to doing it and he's like, I'm probably going to get beat by a kid in the first round. And he did. <laughs> and he did, and, and it, we've been making fun of him ever since. So, Well, and that... Because we were sitting just right behind you guys in the seats there, and... <laughs> you and your two buddies were talking video games for like half an hour before it started. And when it was, when they were saying who was paired up with who, you know, who entered the con- the contest in what order, I thought, oh shit, Phoenix just got paired up against this guy who's my age, who's been talking all this hardcore <laughs> video game shit for the last half an hour. He's going to get smoked. <laughs> and then... But so he he blames the arthritis in his fingers. Oh. <laughs> but this is the same guy I called out on the live podcast for downloading Ash vs Evil Dead. Ah, so it's okay. bastard. Yeah. <laughs> he also just just to take another funny note, he saw the um, girl that was dressed up in the um, Bob Ross costume, and he thought uh. he, he thought it was Pat from SNL. Do you remember uh. that character? <laughs> <laughs> uh. and, oh and he, no. came, he came to me. He's like. Uh, why is there somebody dressed up as, as Pat at a horror convention? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then, of course, when she came out in the contest dressed as Bob Ross, we all thought it was just hilarious. So oh, we, we make fun of him for that, too. That, that poor kid's never going to live this down. So Good. You know what I couldn't believe what? was the the woman that dresses as the character from Reno 911. Oh, my God. Nailed it. We saw her at Crypticon last year, and, like... I I couldn't look away from her because yeah. she looks just like just that character. Just like her, and it disturbed the hell out of me at Crypticon. <laughs> yeah, and then she shows up at Halloween at Palooza. I'm like, who is this woman? Yeah, girl from Reno 911. She looked just like her. Yeah, they were somewhere. They were, 
they lived like three or four hours away, so they couldn't stay for the costume contest. Oh, but oh, she man. totally would have won. Totally. Totally. Man. I wasn't sure if that's what she was... like. She looked exactly like that, but I, I didn't want to just assume. You know what I mean? I was like, uh, maybe she's like a male Rick from The Walking Dead or something. Right, but no, right. No. But you know, yes. yeah. God forbid it was actually like a real cop that just is uh, <laughs> hanging <Yeah>. out. <laughs> like you, just like oh yeah. There was what I this made me feel my age. Uh, one of the girls who was in the costume contest had <clears throat> this sort of black. Uh, some kind of, I don't know what the hell you call it, singlet, onesie, whatever, and like a cape. And her, she was all painted green with this little thing in the middle of her forehead. And I thought she was supposed to be like a, I couldn't quite find the right clothing, but this is close enough <laughs> version of the Barbara Steele character from the old Boris Karloff movie, The Crimson Cult. <laughs> and then it turns out she was a character from the Teen Titans. Oh, yeah, it's that uh, Raven from the Raven. Teen Titans. That's yeah. right. <laughs> that might have showed your age a little bit. Yeah, I was gonna say, but yeah, <laughs> showed your age or showed showed your nerdism? Because did you a really bit think of both. Yeah, so, both. some teenage girl from Matumwa, Iowa, is gonna, gonna dress like for Barbara Steele? <laughs> Look, I don't know. It's a horror convention. You never man. know. <laughs> well, we're. Uh, as as people from Matumo, we're getting there, but it, not quite there yet. <laughs> we're training them. That's what Halloween of Blues is all about. Is. Creating also, new horror geeks. I asked you about this when we were messaging a little bit a few days ago, but I I think you kind of handed me the trivia this year with that the way you waited that schlock round. <laughs> that oh, was almost yeah, unfair. I knew it. He, he gave yeah, me the... I tried really. You, there was a few of them you didn't, you couldn't get though. There no, I couldn't get all of them. I'm, I'm not perfect. I am fallible. <laughs> no. Which I guess means you're going to have to stop calling me the Pope of Horror. But <laughs> uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to come up with some really tough ones for you. That 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 whole category was based on like. How can I really How can we fuck with Brian? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, and the, the kids both said that uh, Rocky Horror was one of their favorite parts. They managed to both stay up through the whole thing this Yay! year. They were kind of dragging up until it. They, I was kind of worried they were going to fall asleep in the seats, but then once it got going, and the you know you got on the mic and kind of riled the crowd up a little bit, they were having a lot of fun. Cool, cool. That's good. That's good. Was there anything I said that they had to turn to you and ask, like, what, what what's a douche? Have, have you met me? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Not to mention after last year when we didn't get to stay up for it and they felt really bad and missed out, we, uh, like, the next day after we got home, we put the Blu-ray in with the audience participation track and kind of hollered along to that. So they, they kind of knew what was going to be said already. <laughs> and I'm sure there's some stuff that went over their heads just because it comes so fast and furious that yeah, yeah. there are things that you miss. But. Well, and sometimes I'm trying to remember. I don't remember the Blu-ray commentary track that well, but I it's usually pretty identical to what you say. Well, yeah, a lot of that stuff is just carried over year after year after year. Um, right, but right. Like, when I when I I kind of do a refresher before before the event. I'll you know if I'm working on the goodie bags. For, or the uh, the survival kits for Rocky, I'll I'll put it and play it in the background and and kind of recite along with it just to kind of practice. 
Sure. And I watch, but and I do that with the DVD because I only have a DVD player in my kitchen. I don't have a Blu-ray player, <laughs> so um, there's moments where I just I just have to turn it off after a while. It's just so headache-inducing because you can't understand. Everybody's shouting shit all at once, and I can't, I can't understand half of what they're saying. Yeah. And you're already inhaling the fumes of sixteen thousand pieces of stale toast and a bunch of rubber <laughs> gloves. And yep, exactly. Yep. Uh, I'm surprised my toaster still works. Like, I, I, <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. Ted, how'd yours go? Your rocky showing. Friday we had a pretty much a sellout, and Saturday we did pretty well. But uh, overall, the I don't know. The Friday crowd was bigger just because. Um, there's not a lot of bar competition or anything else going on Friday night, mm. and it's a little earlier at ten o'clock. But uh, it, it went really well. We have our regulars that come and know all the words, and uh, we had we had a lady that was like seventy six who's seen it every single year since its release. Wow! And That's awesome. and she was dressed as Magenta, and she was awesome and getting up and getting everybody to stand up and dance. And she was probably the most lively at her on our showing. That's awesome. And I told her, you know, I was like, anytime, you know, you want to come to our theater for anything, just let me know. Come on in. Because she was, she was adorable. She was awesome. Uh, she brought the crowd up. It was great. That's amazing. Oh, I bet she put me to shame. That's cool. She was running up and down the aisles, like, making me feel tired. <laughs> um, well, then maybe lastly, you just, you showed Victor Crowley, too. Just this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Right. Thursday? Thursday? Thursday, yeah. We had, there was a downtown event the same night called the Haunted Jefferson Ghost Walk, and each store in our downtown was doing sort of a haunted theme type thing. It's supposed to be more adult friendly, so uh, every, every place had to write a short story, a short horror story relating to their building, and people go around and collect these stories and get sort of an anthology book out of it. And we did Haunted 2 or so. One of our volunteers sort of set up a haunted house within the theater. There's a lot of unfinished parts of the theater that people don't even know is actually that actually exists there. So we walked around tour groups and, and scared people. And we played, uh, I had a Ouija board in the annex while people waited and they could play around with that. Mm-hmm. We had Haxon playing in, in the... Uh, in the annex while people waited something to watch cool. and then and then at eight o'clock we did victor crowley and we had a pretty small crowd but the people that were there were there for a reason because uh yeah. we had some people drive down from davenport and and different parts out of out of town to come see it and it was clear they they were uh very big hatchet fans they were part of the hatchet army i guess you'd say and <laughs> we only had to kick out two people so it was a good night <laughs> <laughs> We had some into- some intoxicated people who were trying to pick a fight with my wife, so we asked them oh. to leave, and we gave them their money back and told them not to come back. But other than that, the, the movie was actually quite a bit, uh, quite quite a bit of fun. I loved it actually. I thought it was maybe the best sequel. So, oh yeah, I won't I won't give away any spoilers, but it is definitely worth watching. It was it was actually really great. Awesome, good because Mike was losing face a little bit. Well, <laughs> I just called you out. I'm sorry. It, I, well, I've said this before. Like, I love the first movie, and then the second and third movie goes in a completely different direction. I feel than where the first one was going. Uh-huh. Um, and so I didn't like it for that, 
but it's one of those things like I just had to get over what my expectations are for what mm-hmm. I think a Hatchet sequel should be and accept the franchise for what it is. Because of that, I definitely appreciate um, the movies a lot more. And I think I think I actually like 3 better than 2. So I still have some character issues with Part 2, um, which, you know, again... It's like this franchise. There's nothing to nitpick about this this franchise because it's just dumb, gory fun. Mm-hmm. And to nitpick is is you know you're not having fun. So, but there's just I still can't get over the whole final thing with Tony Todd at the yeah. end of part two. It really bothers yeah. me. But well, cool. I think with Adam Green's type of stuff, either the humor hits hits me perfectly and i think it's hilarious or it's too juvenile and it just comes off as cringy and i felt like in this one it would it hit, hit the right notes he rode that line but didn't uh make it too juvenile i don't know something about sometimes his humor is is hard for me to swallow but this i felt this movie teetered right on the edge like perfectly cool. i think when it comes to his humor is that he i, I don't know he uh I think he just tries to throw too much in at times and doesn't ne- needs to do another draft. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. Anyway, there was. I mean, and I felt like this one. There was there were several people that came that just were interested in seeing a good, gory, fun horror movie that were not fans of the previous movies or had not even seen the previous movies and. After they watch this one, they're like, "Oh, you know, do you have the first three? I really want to watch them." And so it's sort of you can watch it. It sort of stands on its own, but it's not a remake. It is a sequel, but it's it it can stand on its own. You can watch it and under and follow it without seeing any of the previous movies. Cool, that's cool. Yeah, I really want to see it really bad though, because you know, and I was making jokes about Adam Green earlier, but I am actually a, a really huge fan. I follow everything he's done and he hasn't I mean I, I even I even really like digging up the digging up the Morrow. I I, oh, I thought that it. movie was awesome. Ray Wise, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, well yeah, Ray Wise. Alright, so It's wow. just so fun. It's it's almost Halloween for us. And so it's just the best time. I just want to yeah, chat. Sorry yeah, I know. I if about everybody's out there being like, "Man, when are they ever going to get to the topic?" Just <laughs> yeah, bear in mind, you know, we're this. It's it's our time of year, so we're just kind of recapping everything that we're doing, man. You know, it's the Halloween season, so I suppose we should get into the topic, and that is what is the topic? Oh my gosh! Yeah, movies, <laughs> TV made for TV, movies made for television. So we come up with a we come up with a list of movies to watch. For the episode, so we're kind of all on the same page, and we can talk about uh, talk about these movies because we we've all had a chance to watch them. Um, so I just want to throw it out there first of all and find out what was everybody's least favorite one off of this list. What was the Easy worst one. one on the list? Easy, because I, I think it's mutual, but I just want to find out. Jason, hands down, gargoyles. God damn it! No, it's not gargoyles. <laughs> it's so gargoyles, I fucking hated it. We'll get into gargoyles, <laughs> man. What one did you hit, like the least, Mike? Me? Horror. Are you not telling gargoyles? Well, it's definitely not gargoyles. <laughs> Jesus, gargoyles number one on the list of awesome. Oh, oh my god, <laughs> it's gonna be a long show. Yeah, the worst. I'm- 
Worst one is horror at thirty-seven thousand feet. No, no, that one is way fun. It's yeah, it's loony, it's Looney Tunes, bonkers, crazy goofball movie. But really, (laughs) I don't know. Is it unanimous gargoyles? No, I love gargoyles. I was going to say Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Whoa, really? I think we're all sort of divided here. This is interesting. <laughs> that solid. Yeah. I thought that was solid. Well, Ted, what about you? My least favorite, I don't know. I'd probably have to go with Gargoyles myself. Um, oh, my God. Outside yeah. of a inter- at least sort of interesting creature design, there was nothing there for me. I just... Nothing. No, it just did not... I don't know. At least um, <laughs> the, the horror at 37,000 feet, at least... It was like he said, so Looney Tunes that I was engaged throughout the movie. I just gargoyles. I, it just didn't do for me. Of some sort. I yeah. am so confused by all of this. <laughs> As we because are about your you. arguments on why gargoyles is bad is what I thought was bad about horror thirty seven thousand. Nothing happens at 37,000 feet. The only no, thing the horror does. But- but nothing happens so compellingly. Yeah, I love William Shatner in that movie. Yeah, well, Shatner, Shatner is always amazing as in anything. Um, and, this, and you do get a great William Shatner blood curdling scream at the end of the movie. Right. But that's all you get. So you're changing your mind, right? I mean, now oh, that you're yeah. saying this out no. loud, you're realizing that you really do like I that movie. So. I think no. so. He likes it. No, <laughs> there's a there's a story, and it happens. None of those. There's like, none of those there's like goop that comes out of the floor and a frozen dog. I mean, yeah. there's like, there's all kinds of shit. Yeah, and that's the 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 ancient transdimensional, almost Lovecraftian right? evil that may or may not have some connection to Native Americans or druids or some goddamn thing because the movie can't really figure that out either. Uh, is is essentially portrayed by a puddle of Nickelodeon gack and a fog machine <laughs> that they just sort Terrifying. of s- squirt out of the carpet <laughs> whenever the monster needs to appear and yeah. freeze a dog or make William Shatner fly out the door. So, okay, well, I'm not going to get I'm not going to get like all up in arms and butthurt about people liking horror 37,000 feet. I can accept that. That's but fine. You're way but, I'm way more butthurt about everybody <laughs> hating fucking gargoyles. Dude, settle the fuck down. I like gargoyles. <laughs> so where should we start? Should we start on you and me, Brian? Start on the defense of gargoyles, or everybody? Yeah. T- yeah. Okay, let's do it. What is possibly good about this movie? I'll tell you, would you? <laughs> yeah, the, the sweet Stan Winston monsters. That's really about really? all you need. Are those? I can forgive good? a lot of awful stupid boring crap if you have a cool monster and they don't shy away from showing them either like you get an awful lot of bang for your gargoyle buck in this movie yeah yeah Yeah, if you can stay awake to see them but oh my god (laughs) but had it been one of those things where they only showed them in like the last five minutes and tried to play that yeah play the alien game of you know the jaws game of we want to keep them in the shadows we want to build suspense because you that doesn't really work. I would have so pissed well. you off more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but since since you get to see a ton of gargoyles in this movie, and they all look fucking awesome, and that's what's cool yeah, is that great. the designs are different on all the gargoyles. 
Like, you know, they're like snowflakes. No two gargoyles look alike. <laughs> and so the designs were all different on the goblins from Troll 2. That's also true. That's also careful, true. careful. You're comparing the special effects work of Troll 2 to the special effects work of the mighty Stan Winston. Stan Winston won an Emmy for gargoyles. It's what? right. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe. Right. All I could think about was Troll 2. I'm sorry. You could, Okay, maybe not all of those gargoyles are up to par, but Bernie Casey's gargoyle mm-hmm. was freaking awesome looking. Because the director didn't like the way his voice sounded, uh, dubbed him over with veteran voice actor Vic Perrin. And then did- like put that weird um, electronic you know, modulated thing over top of it, too. Right. You're not even going to admit, Bernie, that the lead gargoyle looked awesome. Uh, only Again, when he flew this around. This was the 70s, and I'm pretty sure Stan Winston had a zero budget. Oh, that's very clear. <laughs> well, this is one of the very first things he was, like, head of the show on. Like, he did makeup yeah. on other stuff. Like, he worked on Manimal. I, I'm just, I love Manimal. Oh, actually, Ma- Manimal was, uh, no, Manimal was, bef- no, it was after it this. It was after, yeah. Yeah. His, his uh, first thing, his lead of special effects was on TV was Dracula's dog. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's what makes the difference. All the things that you said you could forgive if there were cool monsters, I can't. This movie had all those things that you had to forgive. I couldn't because it was boring and slow and boring and slow and yeah, the story was off. I fell asleep. I fell asleep too. I, I even some of the the slow before you get to see the gargoyle stuff at the beginning. <laughs> like I like the atmosphere of it because the the thank you intro, the introduction to the story is one of my favorite kind of intros to a horror story where somebody finds some weird old relic and like a you know in this case it's like a roadside attraction where this old guy's like yeah I got a devil skeleton everyone's like yeah what the fuck ever and then they go to his barn and sure enough. <laughs> There's a devil skeleton hanging in the dude's barn, <laughs> and it's out in the desert, which is kind of, you know, being which is like a bit, cow but... skull with like random stuff that... attached to it. You have to let your imagination kind of <laughs> kick you away a little bit, but I can get into that kind of thing because I love that that uh, I don't know, not trope. That's not the right word, but uh, it wasn't a cow that skull. sort of stock situation of of a way to get into a horror story. Just really clicks with me. I'm glad you said that the that the first part of the movie was rather atmospheric because that was going to be a thing that I was going to say that argue this whole boring thing. Like, I think the movie is very atmospheric for the first half of the movie up until like when the um, gargoyle breaks into the hotel room. Like, there's hardly any other actors in this movie besides the daughter and we're just following the daughter and the father around. You got the old man, you got the um you got the woman who runs the hotel. Other than that, these these two are alone out in the middle of nowhere in this this like desert land. And when it's nighttime, I find it like kind of like it's just it's just a, such an isolation film for me and granted a lot of that again is budgetary and i think that's when like when like low budget movies that are bad can really work if they 
if they just real it, you know work really well. It's the Neon Maniacs thing. It's one of the things I love about Neon Maniacs is the fact that like they couldn't afford extras, so they just didn't have anybody else in the scenes. When they when the when the when the couple is on the subway or on the bus, there's nobody else on the subway. There's nobody else on the bus. And that could just come off as like, well, this is just bad filmmaking. But I find it, it just it just creates a vibe for me of just like this total like alone, isolated, in the, almost in a surreal reality where just no one else exists. And you can't, you can't find anybody to protect you or save you from this horror that's coming at you, whether it be Neon Maniacs or some kick-ass looking gargoyles. Yeah. Plus, yeah. deserts are creepy. <laughs> I know, yeah. Kind of has a little bit of like a Hills Have Eyes vibe to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like sp- some of those like high high aerial shots, which is, you know, you're assuming is gargoyle POV of them driving along and whatnot. So. Mm-hmm. So I guess now we have to sit back and hear everyone else tear it apart, huh? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Jason? I thought I already had... Yeah, I don't really know what else to say about it. <laughs> Just... Nah. I, you guys can't appreciate slow burn films. I get it. Oh, whatever. I like slow burns. <laughs> yeah, if this had any burn in it, I would... Yeah. Oh, it does. It has Bernie Casey. Oh, saved yeah. it. I set him up, he knocks him out. <laughs> So, for those at home who haven't seen this movie, you need to. <laughs> um, and it's about this father and daughter. The father is like a... What was he? Anthropologist. Okay. Paleontologist. And his daughter. <clears throat> and he's doing this book on demons or whatever. And they come across this little shack roadside attraction out in the desert where this you know guy claims he's got something in the shed and it's this full gargoyle skeleton and they steal the skull because like a gargoyle end up it ends up attacking the shed killing the man setting the whole thing on fire and they barely escape with the gargoyle skull so now the gargoyles are hunting them down to get the skull back and the gargoyles only repopulate their species like was it once every thousand years or something like that and so now they have all these eggs hatching and they're getting ready to rise up and take over humanity again but the doctor and the daughter save the day along with some local dirt bike kids <laughs> who would then go on to run over Lance Henriksen's son in the Stan Winston directed <laughs> Pumpkinhead. Yeah, yeah, that's so just, just trying to That's just the next desert town over. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's all one connected universe. Um I also like the awesome title font. Like the oozy like gargoyle lettering when the title uh, comes up. I'm pretty sure it's made out of the same Nickelodeon gack that was the monster in horror at thirty seven thousand feet. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Jason's shaking cringe, his head at me. Cringe but at that font. 
I maybe it's just a nostalgia thing because I saw this I movie know it when is. it was originally aired. I know it's a nostalgia thing for you. It's and, obvious. And I own it on VHS, and I own it now on DVD. And if it's on Blu-ray, I'll own it on Blu-ray as well. It's another great like background movie for me. It's a comfort food movie. I put this movie on in the background when I'm doing shit. Yeah, so it's easy to not pay attention to. <laughs> yeah, I put it on if I wanted to like fall asleep easily. Thank you. <laughs> in the world of made-for-TV horror movies, it's, and especially for monster lovers, it's one of the most iconic ones. Yeah, sure. Talking about putting it out on Blu-ray, how awesome would it be if like Scream Factory or somebody got a hold of this? And did like a box set release, like they just did for uh, Silent Night, Bloody Night, and put it out with an action figure of the Bernie Casey gargoyle. Oh, that'd like, be awesome. I would be in line at the store. To, well, I'd be the only one in line, so I guess I could just show up whenever. But I'll be there I'd with buy you, the buddy. Shit out of that. <laughs> I wonder if they have ever done a gargoyle figure. I don't think this one they have. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm not being like sarcastic. I, I I am big into collecting horror toys, and I don't think I recall this movie ever getting the toy treatment. I mean, I know I know they've done horror at Party Beach action figures, so if they've done that one, they surely surely can get around to doing gargoyles. Didn't they replace the hot dogs in the mouth with like actual teeth for that figure though? So it's not movie accurate. Like yeah. they made the monster scarier, but it doesn't look right. Yeah, that, that is a thing. It's got to have the hot dogs, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Gargoyle sort of... Um, I got the vibe. I mean, for the longest time, I, it's one of those movies that I've heard people in the horror um, community say, you know, hype up for years. And I, it's, I don't think I ever fell for the hype, but watching it, I felt like it was a an episode of Goosebumps filmed in the 70s. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, where where it just was like I don't know. I, I didn't. I, I'm mostly making fun of it because um, Jason was making fun of it, and we're having fun with it. But um, I don't know. It's it's not god awful, and, and I would watch it over a lot of the other garbage I've seen. It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not like I would I would it's watch not it the again. Worst movie. You know, but yeah. right, but it's probably the worst out of this group. I mean. As far as 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 far as watchability for me, it was. But you know, everybody everybody likes different things. So, but like I said, it sort of reminded me of like a Goosebumps or or like a a kids type of. It's like a more adult version of a kids made for TV. I don't know. I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. I think too. That also makes this movie stand out is the fact that. This is a made-for-TV movie from the 70s. I mean, like, that was during the time where, like, if it was a made-for-TV horror movie, it was, like, an animal attack movie or maybe something a bit more based in reality. But here you have a movie with, like, these outrageous monster creatures, and that's not something you'd see every day uh, for a made-for-television movie. But, all right, we can move on from Gargoyles. Before my feelings get hurt anymore. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. I'll, I'll console you later. All right, thanks. <laughs> we have we'll, when we have the gargoyles movie party. We won't invite these guys. It'll just be us. 
Hell yeah. Oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have our own gargoyle party. We're going to watch the animated gargoyles. Yeah. yeah. Oh, damn it. Now I don't know which one I want to go to. That show kicked ass. <laughs> that was a great cartoon. And and how odd, you know, that was kind of an oddity, too. So that came out during the time of, like, um, uh, DuckTales uh, Duck and uh, what was the what was the Chippendale show? Uh, Tailspin and Darkwing Duck and then like this more serious darker um, <laughs> Disney cartoon called Gargoyles with no um, no cartoon animal people in it whatsoever it was it was a lot more darker and superhero like and it was a great cartoon so awesome they need to bring that back uh-huh. what's the next movie we're going to talk about Terry uh, Ghost Watch. Now that was awesome. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ghost Watch was fantastic. <laughs> I was really my breath on that one. <laughs> it was just such an interesting concept. I mean, I didn't really yeah. watch BBC News in the 90s. You know, whatever. But yeah. just the fact that these were like respected like journalists or TV personalities and then they had this like quote unquote like documentary like they were going and documenting these things happening and it in real life scared the shit out of people yes like, had to. it's just hilarious it's <laughs> awesome I and I, lo- I love stuff like this where it like totally tr- tricks the audience you know, yeah. it's a total War of the Worlds scenario that happened with this movie. Yeah. Not quite as much as Hysteria as War of the Worlds, but like. Same principle, but yeah. still. Yeah. yeah. And that's funny because it was never. Like, the War of the Worlds thing was played as a. Like, this is for real. And this had a, you know, written by card. It was listed as drama and all the. In all the, you know, the radio times and the TV listings. Nobody ever tried other sure. than the fact that the show is such a cinema verite piece of film yeah that no, no one was ever there there was no ad campaign of like oh coming soon this real thing although it was uh the first tv show to be cited in the british medical journal as having caused post-traumatic stress disorder in children <laughs> who watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and for uh, and i had heard the stories about this leading up to watching it and uh, and i was and and at, at part, at part of me is like okay this was the 90s and it was like you know the whole the whole fake documentary thing wasn't that big of a thing not like today with found footage movies and whatnot um so i could totally get how it would trick the audience but i never really understood the pure hysteria but then when i saw the movie it's like i got it you know because they did a really cool thing of of like making it seem like whatever the ghosts or the entities or spirits or whatever broadcasting this show is causing it to spread throughout all the uh all the homes that are viewing this show with all the with all the reports of the phone calls are getting in and stuff and i'm like i thought that was really cool there was an a a short-lived idea to to really um kind of drive that point home to the writer suggested that they include uh, in the soundtrack, a high-pitched tone that would piss off the viewer's pets. 
So, like, if you had a dog and you were watching it, your dog would start freaking out, acting oh, weird, no. like, barking God. at the door and stuff, like there's something wrong. But uh, soundtracks are capped for transmission. They can only go to a certain pitch level, you know, to keep, from, yeah. to keep the levels <laughs> even and everything. So it didn't work, but how fucking awesome would it have been if they could have pulled that off? Oh, my God. That would have been well, freaking like amazing. Those, uh, commercials that they've you know i remember if it was burger king or somebody was doing the commercials that would trigger the uh amazon uh alexa or whatever the different smart smart devices people were complaining so they had to stop airing the commercials but um (laughs) even without the uh even if you take that out and i mean we're watching it you know years later without with full knowledge that this isn't real and it's still very effective and really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very ahead of it, very ahead of its time and just well done. I mean, it, it, you're hard. It's, it's going to be hard to even find something now with, uh, better technology and stuff that can play it off so well. I'm glad you, I'm glad you guys think that too. Cause I, I was really hoping I wasn't the only one thinking that it's, it holds up, you know? Um, because it's easy to go into it with the mindset of, okay, this was the 90s, like, you know, you can think in those terms, but I think it still really holds up on its own merit, even today. Oh, yeah. I mean, aside from, like, the clothing, <laughs> yeah. I didn't get pulled out of it at all as far as the technology or anything. Like, it, it, was, it they just played it straight, and they did a really good job, and I loved yeah. it. Nobody plays it straight like British people. That's for <laughs> yeah. sure. It, just, That's it, for it sure. adds an extra layer of gravitas, and you know all the actors are giving it their all. the The newscaster, I'm pretty sure that's an actual BBC news guy. I yeah, think. yeah, and yeah. So you know he knows how to make things just sound like a news broadcast. It's not an actor trying to sound like an anchor. It's just an anchor delivering his lines like he would do his job normally. Exactly. So that really gives it the you know an extra air of reality. And the sound design is awesome. Like, I think, Mm -hmm. and I think this could be a really cool thing to do, like, a remake of. Like, if you could get, like, like, modern American broadcasters, like, some popular show or whatever to, like, get in on this. And I don't know. Not to promote remakes, but (laughs) it's just such a cool idea. Yeah. That, you know... Well, surely somebody will come along with with a new thing to try to, uh, you know, trick the and and be successful at trying to trick the audience into. There's been because there's been so many different different variations of this formula over the over the years. You know, I there's all those dumbass ghost hunter shows. Well, yeah, yeah, but this one it's like you know they they were respected journalists and people that. You know, these viewers were watching, you know, on Well, a, that's what I mean. The, the, the time is ripe to, for someone to do it well. That's like, oh, yeah. the ones that are all out there now are just those stupid ghost Crappy. shows. Yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah, very clever. Yeah. And, of course, Craig Charles in the field is awesome <laughs> and hilarious. I just kept waiting for him to call the ghost a smeghead. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of cool. I was watching there's a new series on shutter called the core and the first episode is about the the halloween franchise and at the end they do a wrap-up and they suggest like five movies to watch this halloween season and ghost watch is one of them and i thought you know out of all the things on shutter yeah. to recommend, they recommend that and i was like man that's you know that that's right on to me it's 
perfect for this season because it's so different. Um, and, and a little bit, actually, if you've seen the WNUF Halloween special, it's sort of uh, yeah. that's sort of a modern sort of take on that, uh, on the same type of, of um, found footage type type of TV special, but done done very differently. But I feel like they do sort of have um, similarities. I haven't had a chance to watch that yet, but I've heard a lot of really good things about it. Yeah, Mike's a very big fan of the WNUF Halloween special. Oh, I loved that. I I'm, I was hoping to rewatch it again for the for the holidays, um, the Halloween holidays. That is, uh, I just I love all the fake commercials and everything, and and that's another one there as well that I feel tries really hard to make you think that this was all real, you know, and. And when you're watching it, it's great that you can you can actually escape into that and kind of pause for a minute and think, was this real? No, it wasn't real. Almost to a fault on that one because uh, we we're I was watching it with some friends and they're like, they're really going to show the same commercial more than once. It's like, yeah, when you were watching TV, you didn't get a different commercial every single time. You would have repeats of local commercials almost every commercial break. Yeah, and that's what made it seem so real, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Anybody ever see? There's a there was a movie. Um, uh, what was the name of that movie? Last. No shoot. Um. Nope, didn't see that one. Not the last broadcast. <laughs> the Peter. The la- last horror movie, I think, is oh. the name of it. And the it was Joe Spinell movie. No. Um, talk amongst yourselves. I'll be right back. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, good. This, is this always goes well. Yeah. So here's the part you edit out, Jason. Uh, huh? No, this is classic AOTKP. Well, it'll be real easy. Just everyone not say anything for a minute, and then there'll be a big dead spot, and the soundbar <laughs> spikes, and then you can know right where to click. Yeah. Like this group could shut up for a second. On cue. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) No, but for real, cut this out because it's awful and no one's going to want to listen to this. Yeah, now I have to. (laughs) We just waited. Yeah, I I was right. It's called The Last Horror Movie. Fangoria, they had a Many a times they've they've attempted at doing movie distribution, um, and this was under their Garzone video label. Um, I have it on DVD. It's called The Last Horror Movie. It's a it's a oh, a fake yeah. documentary about this guy who shoots wedding videos, but he's also a serial killer. So it's like cut together with all, and so he's documenting his kills, and and basically. It kind of reminds you also a little bit of um, of other movies. I'm just going to move on. Um, I can't think of any, any anything right now. But but it has a lot of like social commentary about horror fans and um, um, you know what kind of person are you to watch this kind of violence, that kind of funny games. I was thinking of uh, funny games there for a second. Um, and. Cause so he he does a lot of narrating right to, right to the camera and it's it's a really cool movie but one of the things I love about it the only you know is the fact that uh, 
towards the end of the movie, you know, he's talking, he's like, he's uh, taping all this footage off on um, VHS tapes that he hides in video stores with with the labels of the original movies on on there so when somebody rents that movie they take it home and and this is what he this is what you get and it kind of ends with like you know maybe this is real maybe it isn't you know may, why am i putting these movies in video this footage in video stores um you know cuz that's how i'm going to find my next victim and maybe i'm watching you right now uh, and I'm not doing it justice, but at the end of this movie, even though I want, I'm watching it on DVD. There's that moment where, like, wait a minute, is this guy really watching me right now? You know. Um, so it was something that was made a little late because it was perfect for like the video store era, and it to- I, if it would have been made maybe just even five years earlier than what it was. It totally would have fooled people, I think. It's it's a really good film. I recommend checking it out. But it's another one that falls into this whole category of of trying to recreate something to convince the audience that it's real, you know. And and I know people think a lot of found footage is designed that way, but I don't think it's intended to be that way anymore. Um, it's just a technique to make your movie. So I can only document so many, so many certain films that I feel truly fall into that, on in this category of trying to trick the audience. Ghostwatch does a good job of it. Yeah, I love. It's, I mean, it's effective, and they, I don't know, they, it makes you feel like you're watching a TV show, but yet it's an edited movie. Yep. But it feels live. I mean, yeah. they do a great job of it not being perfect to being to make it feel live. Yeah. For sure, it's a good one. All right. We can move on. Um, Tad, what's another movie we should talk about? Ooh, I, I will go with Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. This was another one I really did enjoy. I've seen it before. Another one of those uh, movies that has a big reputation in the horror community, I think. I heard about it long before I finally saw it, probably five or so years ago. And I think it has a lot of creepy creepy atmosphere to it. Uh, The story is a sort of mentally challenged man is, is killed by local townspeople when they think that he hurt a little girl they shoot him several times more times than they needed to because <laughs> it seemed they were sort of looking for a reason to go after this guy and he comes back as a scarecrow it's a pretty simple story but for the time and for a made for tv movie it's pretty dark yeah pretty creepy i really like this one i've always been what a did big- you guys think I've always been a huge fan of this one. This is probably one of my all-time favorite made-for-TV movies, especially from that era. Because this is definitely one of them that, for me, I find probably the most terrifying form of death is to die by um, asphyxiation. You know, whether it be drowning or, you know, being trapped in space. So 
when I was a little kid and I saw that guy drowned in the corn silo, that uh. freaked the fuck out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never seen this movie until I watched it for the show. Mm-hmm. But being a farm kid and having grown up with the fear of that put into me and, you know, having known of people that, yeah. that you know, not like known well personally, but having known people that that happened to. Oh, no. Ugh. Yeah. That That is... And Okay, here's a fun thing. Uh, there's... In, in grain bins, uh, when you dump the grain into the pit and the auger, the conveyor takes it up and dumps it into the top of the bin, there's this thing up there called a stirator that kind of spins around and spreads the grain out because if the grain comes to a peak in the top of the bin, all the heat and humidity rise up into that peak and it gets moldy and spoils. So the stirator is meant to make it kind of flat on top so that doesn't happen. But it doesn't always work perfectly so sometimes you have to climb up to the top of the bin with a shovel and get inside and you know manually push the grain off to the sides of the bin to kind of level it out and that was my job a lot of the time so that was something like you had to know how to look for the signs of like you know make sure you don't do it in a bin that any grain has been taken out of ever you know only full bins you get into so like that really got drilled into my head because I worked around stuff where that right. literally could have happened to me and yes it is fucking terrifying. Oh my. It's even worse because um you know the kernels aren't don't fit together symmetrically. There's lots of little pockets of air in between the you know there's gaps in there. So if you get buried in grain provided you're not all the way to the bottom of the bin and the pressure doesn't crush you there could potentially be enough air trapped in there for you to be alive for several hours oh. before you die. That is literally one of the most terrifying ways to die I can even think of, yeah. <laughs> so There's just the- so much that can go wrong on a farm. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so with that said, do you, do you feel this movie did a good job creating yeah, that, that part, moment? That moment, yes. Yeah. As soon as the grain started pouring down on that guy, I was like, uh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> the, the rest of the movie did not have that effect on me. I actually thought this one was kind of limp. But Yeah, I thought, yeah, I could have sworn you said earlier this was your least favorite on the list, right? Yeah, and, and not that I hated it to the point that the rest of you boners hated gargoyles. <laughs> you couldn't. You couldn't hate it this much. <laughs> but just because, like... I was expecting a vengeful scarecrow to be stabbing people with a pitchfork because that's what the poster tells you. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And then it's more of like a, you know, ghost manipulating the environment to. It's sort of like Final Destination before Final Destination, except on TV, so the deaths can't be all that cool, except yeah. for the grain silo one. Yeah. Yeah, the grain. Oh, yeah, the grain silo. I, I think the movie. I think the movie overall still uh fairly uh, successful in its in, in some of its creepiness i mean i love how there is a complete mystery to actually who's doing the killing i mean is it is it a ghost or is it uh you know maybe it's the mother maybe it's the maybe it's the little girl yeah. maybe he's not really dead you know is it is and, it supernatural or is it real so and, and there are things to recommend it. I mean, Charles Durning makes a great yeah. asshole. Oh, yeah, he does. Like, 
that dude is just a <laughs> horrible puddle of hateful flop sweat and everything he's in. And Larry Drake is really, you know, he's not in it much, but what he is, like, he's he was a really good actor, and he yeah. plays that sort of childlike, mentally impaired yep. character very well. And one, another one of the more disturbing and creepy scenes for me is, so, like Tad said, they hunt, they, they find him and hunt him down and shoot him, but the, the, what Tad didn't say is that Larry Drake hides as the scarecrow on this cross... And that's where he's hiding from these guys. So when they find him, they're just standing in front of him. And they know he's there. And it just cuts to close-up shots of Larry Drake's eyes pe- peeking through the uh, through the, the gunny sack of the scarecrow head. And then they just, they, just, they just shoot him down execution style. And to me, that's a very disturbing scene as well in, in this movie. And then they get yeah. the call like two minutes later that hey we found what really happened it was an accident oh, yeah. he was trying to help her and then just yeah. kind of looking at you fuck yeah and there's that moment even though you know what's going to happen because <laughs> if, if they didn't kill him there'd be no movie but yeah there's that minute where you think maybe they are just going to walk by and it'll be okay and then otis hazelrig turns around and sure enough he sees those eyes through the gunny sack and at that moment he's the only one who knows the other guys are still like where'd he go you think maybe he's, maybe he'll be okay because you can really like, I said earlier that Larry Drake did a really good job with his performance. He's under the scarecrow outfit with a burlap sack over his face, and all you can see is his eyes. But his eyes are acting the shit out of that part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe he's gonna see that humanity, that emotion, and let him go. And then they, you know. <laughs> now I don't know what version everybody's watched but when there was a scene that was originally shot for the movie that when the uh, combine is is mowing down is chasing after the one guy um it cuts to a shot inside the combine where you see the gears are moving by themselves which basically tells you that it is a ghost and they ended up taking that scene out when they aired it on television because they wanted it to remain a mystery. And that's the scene in the, the director's cut or whatever the... I don't remember if that's in the director's cut or not or if it's just a, bo- a bonus feature. I don't remember. I know I've seen that shot before. So I but think there's two cuts Yeah, out there. And I watched, This is horrible to say because it's available for purchase out there. I think Screen Factory has it, don't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I just watched it off YouTube because I'm an asshole. <laughs> but, but I, but I would not asshole. have wanted to buy this because it's the only time I'll ever watch it. But the cut, uh, the print on YouTube is like a high def Blu-ray transfer. So Ooh. I don't know if somebody just like mm. uploaded the Scream Factory version or what. But I don't remember seeing a scene of combine gears. Oh, that's good. So yeah. maybe, maybe it is just an extra thing, that's good. or maybe I just forgot. <laughs> that I saw that. No, there. Yeah, I feel like that the version I watched on YouTube did have that scene. Oh, okay. Maybe. I just remember being confused because literally all of the kills leading up until the ending, you don't see anybody. Like it's it kind of seems like it's a ghost. Like they never show anything. Yeah. And then the last one, you like see a physical guy in an outfit or something 
I'm trying to remember. I just remember that it was... It pissed me off because it was flip-flopping, and I didn't like it. You didn't like the movie or the flip-flopping? No, it was alright. Yeah, just it was. There were some things that seemed a bit confused, but overall, I didn't dislike the movie. I thought it was alright. Okay. Cool, cool. I thought the main character sort of reminded me of um, Stephen King's character in Creepshow, Jordy. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a like the haircut and like outfit and everything sort of reminded me of it, but I, I mean, there, I, there's no connection, I don't think, or anything. But it just it might, that was the first thing that pops in my head when I saw it. <laughs> Jordy, you lunkhead! <laughs> Sweet. All right. So, what's next? I think we should move on to the creme de la creme. The the superior, serious, to most awesome film on this list, which is horror at thirty-seven thousand feet. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I here's I the thing. I just wanted to do that. That's all. Here, I want. Here's the thing. I'm not. I told you before. I'm not going to be upset that you guys like this movie. I'm actually relieved because when I watch this movie, and I'm like, oh no, everybody's oh, going to hate what me did for I picking do? this movie. <laughs> so the fact that you guys enjoyed it more than I did then well you know more power to you gargoyles weren't on the list that would have been the movie that we'd all been like oh okay been like. well I would hope it'd still be on the bottom if it wasn't for gargoyles yeah because everything else I feel is pretty solid I feel pretty confident about so horror 30, 37,000 feet who wants to explain I don't know the if I could plot he's I'll doing f- air quotes the <laughs> I do appreciate the professor from Gilligan's Island being in the movie. I do appreciate that. Okay. So, uh, you, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I was going to say Jason brought it up. You, know, you, I, you think I'm it's the just, superior movie, don't you? Have to no, <laughs> describe it. It's uh, not. I just want I, most of the things I say is to just see what Mike's face is going to do. Uh, so I don't really. I'm not good at intro. How well, you... it's mm-hmm. go ahead. It's it's about this rich guy and his Eng... she's English or Welsh or what, but anyway, his wife and they're they're transporting pieces of her. Like they're basically taking her um, ancestral castle and uh, surrounding features stone by stone back to the States to rebuild it so they can live there. And there's some, you know, Stonehenge type of thing. They've got the, this weird Druidic or Celtic or some kind of stone circle. They have the stones from that on board the plane. Somebody stopped me from remembering this wrong. It's been a while and I may have been drinking, but (laughs) there's a woman on the plane who's very, very upset there, you know, you should have left this where it was. Kind of a, it's too bad they didn't move the stone and Rawhead Rex came out because that would have been a much more entertaining movie. <laughs> but uh, basically, she's the crazy Ralph saying like, "You've brought doom upon us all." And sure enough, uh, the plane, piloted by Chuck Connors, who perpetually looks like his skull is trying to climb out of his face. For real, <laughs> right? <laughs> Suddenly can't gain any speed. In fact, it appears to be being pulled 
backwards through the air. And uh, you know, William Shatner's on board, who is a, a big deal evangelist who has lost his faith um, and now spends his time drinking. So I, I can relate to his character. Um, <laughs> and it, it turns out this ancient Celtic deity is attacking the plane because it wants those stones uh, put back. And as we discussed earlier, this creature is represented mostly by a fog machine and some gack and a frozen dog. <laughs> and, and then right at the end of the movie, William Shatner goes like, finds his faith again and decides I will combat this spiritual evil and goes to the back of the plane in the cargo hold and sees some you know, hooded figures doing some kind of weird druidy dance around the thing and then some cosmic horror that blasts his mind away and was too expensive to show the audience makes him scream like William Shatner can scream and nobody else can and then he gets blown out the window and then everything's fine. <laughs> that, that's pretty much horror at 37,000 feet. Nailed that is it. exactly... <laughs> that was a more entertaining version of horror. <laughs> it might have been. Because it was only like two minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the, the thing that I that caught me way off guard with this movie, because I'd never seen it before until I put it on the list, um, was the fact that this, this movie came out in the era of disaster movies and air airplane disaster movies in particular like airport 77 and whatnot and i was like oh cool well they're mixing in a little bit of horror into your typical airplane disaster movie but i did not expect some like ghost druid demon possession thing or whatever that was totally out of left field that's what makes this movie really really wacky yeah, this is, like, there were 70s TV horror movies like Gargoyles and uh, I'm sure there's some other ones that kind of traded on trying to create atmosphere and actual horror. And then there were the ones that were just, let's be as goofy as we can because we can't show bloody death and we can't have nudity and we can't have swearing, so we better be fucking weird to keep people's attention. And yeah, it's this just... is one of those. But it, it's just it boggles my mind on movies like you know horror thirty seven thousand feet or or like a kill dozer or something along those lines, where where it is just something batshit crazy out there and it's made for network television, like the network television the most you know let's let's appeal to everybody as much as possible type of entertainment ever. So crazy concepts in a made-for-TV movie just seems really strange to me. But it was, like I said, it was the only thing they had to trade on. It's, you know, I never even thought about it until just now when we were talking about this, but it's kind of akin to uh, Indonesian movies. If you remember back when we <laughs> in the Cannibal episode when we were talking about Macabre, mm. and I was saying how in the 80s... Uh, during the Suharto regime, I think it was the Suharto, I don't have to look up my notes for that again, but anyway, um, when they were under really strict religious rule, same deal. Couldn't show nudity, couldn't show really gory violence, couldn't have people swearing, what else you got? Being fucking weird. And Indonesian <laughs> exploitation movies from that era are fucking Looney Tunes. So, 
you know, same deal here. Didn't maybe have the budget to be as Looney Tunes as something like Jungle Virgin Force. But, yeah, the weirdness was the only uh, bit of capital they had left to trade on because the censors took everything else away from them. So it, it kind of makes perfect sense that they'd be this goofy because why else would anyone watch them? Yeah. <laughs> True. Anybody have anything else to add about horror at 37,000 feet? I want to know what Terry thought. Yeah. I liked it, and I thought it was silly, but I also fell asleep. So, (laughs) but I fell asleep to, like, everything, so that's not really a a telling sign. But I I enjoyed it when I was watching it. I feel like it'd be a good party movie. Uh-huh. Is there a riff? Is there a riff tracks for this? Oh, there should be. Should be. Not that, that I'm aware awesome. of. Yeah, it'd be a good good candidate for sure. Tad, did you say what you thought of it? Oh, I I thought it was uh, at least crazy enough to hold my attention, and I I thought like I don't know some of the stuff. The floating rocks, the frozen dog, all this stuff. Even <laughs> when I'm when I'm talking about it, it's it's funny to think about. So watching it, um, I I had fun with it. I felt like sort of like what Terry said. It would probably be more fun with a group of people, um, because when you're trying to watch it alone, there's no one to point out how crazy it is to. My dog doesn't really care. Like, hey, there's a frozen <laughs> dog. He, he's like, whatever. But you know, if you're watching with people, it'd be a fun. It's a fun movie. It's a. Yeah. It's not. Um, I don't felt. I didn't feel like it was actually like bad. Bad. It was just like it's sort of some, like he was saying some of the crazy ideas. Like Brian was saying, some of the ideas of it are just. It's they had to go crazy instead of going gory or going strictly scary. And for me, that worked uh, as far as what they had to go with stuck on a plane i i don't know i I went into this one having no expectations never hearing of it before and i enjoyed my time watching it so cool 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 all right well another movie that uh i want to talk about and jason mentioned uh earlier when we were talking about toby hooper or somebody mentioned it earlier when we were talking about Toby Hooper. And that's Body Bags. Yeah. Yay. Love this. Love this one. The yeah. best one on the list. Now it was supposed to be it was like it was like John Carpenter's like horror anthology TV show was the original concept of this, but it ended up uh, just getting turned into a turned into a a move a made for TV movie and I believe it was made for Showtime originally. I think yep. so. Yeah. But it's it's an anthology f- horror film with three stories with a wrap around with John Carpenter as the coroner. You think the he's coroner? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um and Too he's fun. awesome in it. Like the, the man should have done more acting, especially comedic acting. I thought I find him really hilarious in this. It's good to yeah, it's good I to see a sense of humor. Series. Yeah, yeah. But, it's yeah. good to see a sense of humor. Yeah, absolutely. We don't get to know him that well as a person, so it's cool to see. Otherwise, he's just yeah. talking straight about his film and monotone talk, and 
that's all we know of him. Yeah. But to see him like that, it's like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, <laughs> this is awesome. He's having fun. He's yeah. totally having fun. Except it, for Coop Deville. Oh yeah. Then yeah. You if, know, he's fun at that. If they ever did, um, if Shyamalan ever got his like reboot of Tales from the Crypt off the ground. They they didn't even need to get a crypt keeper. Just have current John Carpenter come <laughs> yeah. in and As do the is. same yeah, re, no redo this character. They they don't. I mean, it's, it's sort of weird. Like I don't know how much makeup they did to him in body bags or wraparounds, but he looks like that now all now. the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> he turned into his character. Really right. Weird. Like years of smoking, chain smoking, <laughs> <laughs> and stress has turned him into this character. So. But I, I, he's hilarious in the in the wraparounds. He's perfect for the host. It's it's mm-hmm. so much. I don't know. Like you said, it's seeing a whole different side of such a cynical, sort of uh, bitter guy that we all know. Yeah. Um, having fun doing something. <laughs> I, it's it, like you said. I wish he we could have seen him do more acting because I love it. Yeah. And a who's who of horror cameos. Yeah. Throughout the at least throughout what the whole awesome movie, thing, right? Throughout the whole movie, not just uh, not just there at the end with uh, yeah, Toby we'll Hooper see. and Tom Arnold. What? No, Wes well, it's Craven, like in the right first, the yeah, right in the first, right off the bat, we we get like three of them. Even there's even the picture of Sam Raimi. I mean, there's yep. so many of them there. David Naughton. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah, so- how awesome! Oh, I got giddy when I saw David Naughton show up. I was like, oh man, I love me some David Naughton. <laughs> I remember I had this movie on DVD and it was out of print, so it was sort of hard to find. And uh, Screen Factory announced they were putting out the Blu-ray, so I put my DVD on eBay right away. And some some kid bought it, and for like fifty dollars or something. And then I think he realized that they're putting on a Blu-ray, and so he he didn't uh, pay for it. Mm. And so I had to track him down, and that's a whole different story. Anyways. And now he's in the body bag. Oh, yeah. nice. No, no, I, he, he blocked me on every uh, social media platform after several weeks of harassment. Oh, man. So he put me in a digital body bag, I guess. Cool, cool. It's everybody's favorite segment from body bags. I think the opening one's my yeah. favorite. It's still it, like watching it every time. It's still creepy when she gets locked out of it, and when uh, yeah, just the gas station one. Yeah, when yeah. yeah. Robert Carradine. Yeah, oh, so it still holds up. It's still strong. It's so I don't know it something does. about it still still holds up for me. It has enough funny humor, little winks to us with so many horror cameos, but it's the atmosphere is there. It's it's really strong. Yeah, yeah. I think that one's probably my favorite too. That one's yeah. Are we unanimous on that? Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely has a lot of atmosphere. Uh, love me some um, Robert Carradine and anything. <laughs> yes. You know? And that's the one that's got all the great cameos like Wes Craven, David Naughton, Ted Raimi's picture. <laughs> um. Jason, did you say what, that was my opinion. that's your favorite? Brian, what was your favorite of the segment of the of body bags? <clears throat> well, since I didn't 
get around to rewatching this for the show, and oh. because I haven't seen it since I wrote a review for it a million years ago on a site I used to write for that doesn't exist anymore, I'm going to say the Stacy Keach hair one, uh-huh. because that's the only one I remember anything about, and I like stop-motion effects. The Keach. That one was cool, it was different, and it, you know, funny in parts, but the hair stuff... I don't know, it disturbed me. It really disturbed me. <laughs> What's that well, mean? Well, then that means it's effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't want to watch it again. Honestly, other than John Carpenter playing the Crypt Keeper, I remember this one <laughs> leaving me kind of cold. Oh. Okay. I, I would not at all be a voice saying this was the best one on the list. I thought the whole thing was just kind of mediocre. Fair enough. What was the third? At least that's the, the impression I remember having of it anyway. What's, what was the third story? I'm totally blanking right the now. The one with the baseball player played by um, Hamill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the oh, eye one. Possessed eye. eye. Yeah. Which is just uh, just He's always great. reminds me of the movie yeah. Body Parts. Yeah. He's, well, he's awesome in the backyard in digging like, like a maniac. It's sort of... So, sometimes he, like, almost overcommits and it becomes funny at times. Yeah. But it is. It has some some really creepy uh, scenes in that one too. I felt like. Now John directed two of them, and Toby directed one. But I don't remember who directed what. I think the I one was Toby, and John. Toby directed the I, and yeah, Carpenter directed Hair and the Gas Station. Okay. Cool. And the Blu-ray is awesome. Yep. I'm a bad friend. I haven't listened to Justin's commentary. I've listened to Justin's commentary, um, but I just don't have the Blu-ray yet. They have. They actually have the commentary track on the Shout, Shout TV, TV um, app. Mm-hmm. Uh, app on Roku. So I listened to it there. It's it's pretty sweet uh, commentary. Yeah, this is I, I like this one overall because I feel like with Gas Station it's almost straight up horror. Then we go into Hair, which is more lighthearted, um, has more funny moments to it, and then right back to the horror. So you sort of get a palate cleanser in the middle. Which is yeah, I think that's the good for, a good formula for a horror anthology. And if you kind of look at some of the more successful ones, that it kind of follows that same. You know, Creep Show's got that. It starts off with you know, some really, you know, some really good horror. Then you get a little levity with the uh, with the Stephen King meteor shit segment, and <laughs> and then back to back to some really good creepiness. So, cool. All right. Anything else? Anybody have anything to add about body bags? Uh, Stacy Keach is is uh, sells it really well. I feel like he his character. I don't know his his character when he's sort of dealing with this hair loss stuff. You feel for him, so he's sympathetic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, w- in a story that's pretty absolutely bonkers, where his hair comes alive, he really he's he sells a completely ridiculous story pretty well. Yeah, and like you were saying, it's hard to watch, like especially when he's pulling it out of his mouth. That's the stuff that uh, freaks me out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the hair in the mouth. It's so yeah, sad. like on his throat. That. Oh my god, what? horrible. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, and but that segment's got um, Debbie Harry in it, so. Oh yeah, yeah. This is so many cool character actors throughout the whole movie. It's got such a 
interesting cast. It's really just cool like seeing it. Keach get a lead like that. And yeah. It just, it's awesome. Somebody needs to watch Death Games. <laughs> Wait, which Not one? a TV movie. Death no. Game. Or Road Games, excuse me. Oh, okay. I, I first thought of, I was first thinking of Rogue, which I had watched re- watched recently, and I fucking love it. First time yeah, I've ever seen it. So goddamn so good. Well, it hasn't been available here like ever. Well, it's on Shutter, so I know. But even that's like the shitty old VHS print because Alamo Drafthouse mm-hmm. ran it as part of an exploitation thing they did a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So I thought when I saw it on Shutter, maybe they had Alamo Drafthouses like cleaned up HD print. Nope, it's a shitty VHS rip, but it oh. still kicks ass. I mean, there's a lot of points in that movie though where I just want to I, I just want to punch Stacy Keach for the decisions <laughs> he makes. Like, what are you fucking thinking? You know, and how. And how he ends up getting, getting, um, not, you know, I, I just, I thought for sure the end of the movie was just going to be him going down for the crimes. Oh, yeah, I did yeah. too. I was really surprised that it ended the way it did. Because he kept putting himself in that situation. Mm-hmm. Especially after he knew he was already a suspect and people were looking for him, he'd still put himself in those situations to get himself busted. The car, the car chase at the end of that movie is fucking brilliant because <laughs> yep. it shows it keeps cutting to the speedometer to show that the car chase is perpetual. Excuse me, perpetually getting slower and slower yep. and slower to the point where none of the cars are moving anymore, and it is so fucking intense yeah. watching these three vehicles not go anywhere. <laughs> yep, yep, and just, just trying to force their way through that tiny little. Alley. God, that movie's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. Very awesome. Yep, not a made-for-TV movie, but definitely worth a watch. He also has a lead in Mountain of the Cannibal God, for what that's worth. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I I grew up on Cheech and Chong movies. He's always Sergeant Stadenko for me, so... It's always going to be tainted for those roles that he played. All right, let's do some roundtable. Um, what other what other made for TV movies bring to mind that you want? What? Duel. Definitely Duel. So good. Duel is probably my all time favorite yeah. made for TV movie. Mm-hmm. Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot. See, both Duel and Salem's Lot, I think, fall into that category of. They're so good, you forget that they were actually made for television. Right. Wasn't Storm of the Century also made for TV? Yep, Storm of the Century was. I Man, love I, that one. I need to rewatch that one. I don't remember a thing about it, but I remember liking it. Yeah, it was more, I guess, more of a mini... Well, I guess, well, Salem's Lot wasn't it. Well, I'm just is, speaking to myself. <laughs> so remember, what is the storyline of Storm of the Century? I don't even remember... There's like a blizzard in a town, and it brings this um, this random stranger, and he's just a douche. <laughs> I mean, he. But just, isn't he, he like just, the devil or something, or he's yeah, supernatural or some? Yeah, know? for sure. He I, starts wreaking havoc on the town. And I all. never got to see it, but I remember Fangoria covering it a lot, and that like making a big deal of the uh, the makeup effect on him when he turns into a monster because he's kind of like a cat-like thing, isn't he? 
Um, yeah, it's been a while. I really like the guy. I can't remember that actor's name who plays him. This is a good conversation. (laughs) 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 All right. Um, but I, I've always enjoyed that one. And Rose Red, that's another tons of made for TV Steve. Langoliers. Yeah. yeah. It. Yeah, Langoliers. Yeah, it too. was TV too, yeah. Langoliers is fun, but oh man, those digital effects are. Those like bad looking Pac Man monsters look horrible. And yet, like, yeah, the CG that realizes them kind of sucks. But I really like the design of them. Like, if we could have seen them done well, I think yeah. it would have been really cool. What else? Uh, what? <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Clark. <laughs> no, I was just about to ask you what other made-for-TV movies you, uh, that you really like. Uh, Curse of the Black Widow was kind of fun. That was one I'd been meaning to watch, and this kind of gave me an excuse. It's a Dan Curtis production, the guy who did uh, Dark Shadows and something else that I'll talk about in a minute. But it's it's a pretty run-of-the-mill werewolf-style movie until you find out that it's really Patty Duke turning into a giant spider marionette, <laughs> which you really only get to see at the end of the movie, which is why it's... This is exactly what we were talking about with Gargoyles earlier, where they... You know, have the ace in the sleeve till the very end of the movie, and you barely get to see the spider creature. And it's so fucking goofy looking that it would have been the whole movie just been this thing rampaging around eating people. I would have loved it. But as it was, it was like, all right, detective thriller. Somebody's got a family curse. Somebody turns into a monster. We fucking know. Let's just get to it. And we finally <laughs> see it, and you get to see it for just a couple minutes of screen time, maybe. But it did kind of make me excited because the sound effect they use to the spider is the roar of the uh, kaiju Rodan from the <laughs> Toho stable. So as soon as the spider showed up making Rodan noises, I got all excited again. But overall, it was eh. Um, but the other one I watched, and again, it's something I've been meaning to see forever because I fucking love the show that came from it, is The Night Stalker. Oh, yeah. It's another Dan Curtis production starring Darren McGavin uh, about a reporter named Carl Kolchak, who he starts out in Las Vegas in this movie, and, and uh, showgirls and young women are dying with bite marks in their necks. And he, of course, does his job as an investigative journalist and discovers that a vampire is killing people. And the screenplay was written by Richard Matheson, who's mm-hmm. one of the greatest horror sci-fi writers of ever. Uh, Jason brought up Duel. That's another one of his. Yeah. And, God, Darren McGavin is just, like, everyone remembers him from A Christmas Story. But <laughs> this right here, this is, like, playing Carl Kolchak was his yeah. finest hour, or several hours, because it was a whole series. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. I, I always remember him from Dead Heat. <laughs> He's in that. I haven't seen that in forever. I don't remember him being in that. Yeah. You're talking about that buddy cop zombie movie, right? Yeah, I am. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yep. Cool. Any others did you want to mention? Uh, those are the only off-the-list ones I, I got around to. But yeah, everyone should definitely go check out The Night Stalker. And I didn't get a chance to see the sequel. There were actually two movies before the show launched. The other oh, one was really? The Night Strangler. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, at the at the end of Night Stalker, he because he basically did the police's job better than them. Like on the one hand, yay, he saved the day. On the other hand, he made the entire Las Vegas PD look like assholes. So they basically <laughs> say you can stick around and keep pushing this story and we'll put you in jail for murder because we saw you kill the guy who was a vampire or you can fuck off out of town and we'll just forget this ever happened. So he moves to Chicago and that's where the series takes place. And I would assume that's where the night strangler takes place too. Mm-hmm. So I'll have to give that one a look, but yeah, any, anything Kolchak is worth watching because Darren McGavin is just so goddamn good in that role. And the writing is so sharp and clever and that's really what carries it. Cause there's not a lot of monster stuff in this one either, but that's the difference between this and curse of the black widow or any of the other ones that are mostly just talky shit because they can't afford anything cool or weren't allowed to show anything cool, is the writing in the Kolchak, both the movies and the TV show, is, is just phenomenal. Sweet. Tad, what uh, what are your um, favorites? I've got a couple recommendations. They're both John Carpenter's. Um, the first one is Someone's Watching Me. I don't know if it, has anyone seen that one. I've never. I I know I know of it from his filmography, but I've never actually seen it. It's sort of his version, I would say, of Rear Window in a way. It's sort of Hitchcockian. It is about a woman who's being watched in her apartment by a stranger, and it's very atmospheric, very creepy. Uh, it was actually written and directed by John Carpenter. And it's sort of cool just to watch. It's it's not a fantastic film. But it's cool to watch because it's the first time he worked with Adrian Barbeau. He works with Charles, Charles Cipher. Cipher's in it. Um, just a lot of staples. You sort of see things developing. Sort of see um, Carpenter's. It's, it's just early Carpenter work. And like I said, it's sort of watching him develop some of his chops. For I, I believe this was made right after he finished Halloween, but... At the time, it, it was released literally a month after I think Halloween came out in theaters, and it was it was you know like I said made for TV movie, but it's actually worth a watch. Uh, being a huge John Carpenter fan, I picked it up on DVD as soon as it came out. I'd never seen it before then, and probably watched it three or four years ago. And I I think it's worth a watch for sure. If you're a fan of Carpenter's, get a hold of a copy and watch it. And the other one I was going to go with, I, and it's not technically a movie, but John Carpenter's Cigarette Burns for Masters of Horror. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I just love that one, too. It's God damn. So good. <laughs> I didn't yes, even think about those, but yeah, that that is honestly, like, maybe right below the thing is my favorite thing he's ever done. Is yeah, I, I, I still I love it. I fucking love Cigarette Burns. Is that your favorite? Your guys' favorite episode from Masters of Horror? Oh, by yeah. orders of magnitude. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. That's one of the few ones I can go back and watch again. And th- there were several. I, I was probably um, hyped maybe so much on the series that I was forgiving on some of the episodes. Because mm-hmm. the, the concept of it was so damn cool that when yeah. it came out, I was just I was just happy to have it existing. So... I, I watched every single one of them several times. I own them all on DVD. And going back and rewatching them, not all of them hold up as I remember, but Cigarette Burns is is still damn good. Yeah. It's kind of like I me. With a, a whole, go ahead. Hmm? Go ahead. 
I was going to say, I went into a whole big spiel on our John Carpenter episode about why I love that one so much right yeah. before a tornado swept me off the face of the earth for a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> the internet cut out in that horrible storm. Yeah. But Tad, were you like me where uh, before they came out in the box set, they were just releasing them on DVD maybe a couple of weeks after they aired on, was it Showtime or HBO, whatever channel it's it was? Just, yeah, Showtime. Were you just running out to like Target or wherever and picking them up individually as they came out? Because that's what I did, because I didn't yeah. have cable. Well, I, I was watching them on Showtime and then going and buying them, too. So I have the individual releases, and then for the second season, I have this, it's like a skull that you open up and it has all the discs in it. Oh, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's cool looking. So I have like, and then they put out like two packs, and then they put out the Blu-rays, and I I didn't bother upgrading to Blu-ray, but I still do. I think I actually have the Cigarette Burns Blu-ray, but the other ones I just kept on mm-hmm. DVD. But they're still fun to watch, and, and they're so easy because they're only an hour long, but they're, it, it was such a cool idea to do this, that whole series. We, we could do a whole podcast on that alone, maybe, it would be pretty cool, but. Ooh, maybe we should. That would be a yeah. good topic. But I, 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 that that series hit me right at the right time where, I, I mean, I loved horror since I was younger, but that was at peak when I found more friends that were into horror and we were sort of bouncing and sharing movies with each other and discovering new things. And that, that was something new being put out by all these uh, big-name directors. It was just so exciting at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Argento, I mean, so it was Landis. I mean, seeing these names come back out and getting, you know, Showtime was giving them money to make new movies was was so exciting at the time. Agreed, agreed. Such a fan of that whole of of that show and the whole concept, and yeah, it's a shame it only lasted two seasons. So, and then what was the NBC version of it that they did? That's uh, what I was trying to sit here and remember it, too. Fear itself or something? I think. Yeah, something like that. that. That sounds right. And they, it was not nearly as good. But I appreciate Mick Garris still trying to get it done. But yeah, yeah, it was totally neutered because they moved to a, a major network. network where they yeah. couldn't show all the stuff that they could show on. Yeah, it went. Cable. Yeah, it went directly from being you know almost show anything you want to do to to network was very neutered yeah yeah so that, that first episode that they had with the vampires attacking that fort or old western settlement or something essentially the third ginger snaps movie but with vampires that was kind of neat and i remember liking the search tankian theme song at the time but so I'm with you guys. I think Cigarette Burns is one of the one of the best ones of the series, but I'm still I still think Dario Argento's Jennifer is probably my favorite one. That's a good one too, though. Yeah, I really like that one. I like uh, I like what's his name, Steve Weber. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I love anything he's in, and he's awesome in it. Um, I love the look of Jennifer, which is based off of uh, Bernie Wrightson design. So you got me there. And I think it's 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 like literally the last greatest thing that Argento's done. Well, um, that it wasn't just based off a design that he did. That was a based a, off a full story, pe- yeah, a full story from a Creepy magazine, I believe, one of the old horror anthology comics. Yeah, and the whole thing really has that vibe for me. It really has. So I'm a sucker for anything that really kind of taps into a, a film that taps into the look and feel of uh, of horror comics from that era. So. 
Um, I don't have. Oh, J- Jason, did you go? Did you have some picks? Oh, I just I threw out Duel and. Oh yeah, Duel. Just when you were talking Stephen King, I threw out Langoliers and stuff. Yeah, I only had one more that was. You'll probably say. So. Well, no, go ahead. Oh, Trilogy of Terror seems obvious. Oh, I did not have that oh. one. That is a good one. That is a good one. But can anybody tell me the first two stories? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the fetish doll, man. Um. Well, the ones on my list, I had Duel. I had the Stand on there because I, I really enjoy the Stand. Um. But Killdozer, I mentioned that one earlier, but I love me some Killdozer. That movie's awesome. I knew you were going to say that, and then I have a feeling you're going to say Frankenfish. No? Oh, okay. no. Uh-uh. Okay. No, I didn't really put any of that sci-fi stuff on there. Just you and your Killdozer. It kind of doesn't really count in that, the movies that really I think of. <laughs> premiered on sci-fi, though. That wasn't strictly made for television. Okay. That just happened to be where it showed first. Yeah. No, I actually the one another one I put on the list because I almost put it on our master list of ones to watch, but I I, I chickened out and put it on there. It was a version of the Legend of Sleepy Hollow with a very 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 young Jeff Goldblum in the part of Ichabod Crane. I swear it's got to be the first thing he's ever done because I've never seen him look this young before, ever. So and it's on YouTube. You should check it out just to see Jeff Goldblum. It, it's quite hysterical. First scene, you like get stuck in a tree. That sounds like Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> that's that's it for that. Um, that's made for TV. Let's uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we will do some segments here on Attack of the Killer podcast. Good evening. It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight. We hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. Hey everybody, this is Wayne. This is Zip. Lori. Brian. Doug. And we're the Necronomicast, a weekly horror podcast brought to you by us, horror fans for you, horror fans. We talk about movies, books, celebrity interviews, your mom. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you want me to say. (laughs) Necronomicast. We also talk about streaming movies, new movies, as well as news in horror. And that's just a sample of what you'll get on the Necronomicast. <laughs> Do we say horror movies? <laughs> visit us at Necronomicast.com. Also visit us on Facebook. And on iTunes and all that. Necronomicast. Uh, we'll scare the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> visit us at Necronomicast.com for more madness and horror and blood. We're good. <laughs> and we're back time for segments here on attack of the killer podcast and we're going to start off as we always do with one of my favorites shout outs it's time for shout outs All right, we asked, what are your favorite 
Made for TV Horror Movies. And on Facebook, up first we had Mike Reeb, poster Woo! man himself, said Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Noise. Yep, good answer, Mike. Next, David Krutzinger says Langoliers. Sean Frost says Curse of the Black Widow. It features a were spider. <laughs> yeah, it does, and it sounds like a Rodan. That's that's what I hear is the cool part. Uh, Valerie Winter says, "Oh, gargoyles." <laughs> yes, Valerie. No, <laughs> no. I'm sorry, Valerie. I love you, Valerie. Sure. It's one of the e- it's one of the easiest ones to see because it's on Svengooly like every couple of months. Yeah, I bet I'd, that version's probably good. Watching him, Valerie, with it. and I need to hang out. Okay. Gerald Martin says, the late, great Toby Hooper's Salem Lot. Salem's Lot. Will Vincent says, Stephen King's It, 1990. Lewayne White, our pal, my buddy. He says, cast a deadly spell. So, I didn't know that was made for TV. Um, I always assumed it was just like a direct-to-video thing. I've never seen it, though. Has anybody else ever seen that? Uh-uh. Okay. What are we talking about? I'm sorry. Cast a Deadly Spell. <laughs> oh, no. I think it's got Peter Weller in it. Am I right? I don't know. Yes, Mike, you're right. Okay, cool. Moving on. <laughs> um, next we have... Oh, wait. Tim Lennerer replies to Lewayne, says, Directed by a dude who went to on to make Casino Royale with Daniel Craig. Oh. Mm-hmm. Martin Campbell, directed by. Okay. AJ Moreno says, It's goofy, but Crybaby Lane is up there. Never heard of that one. Thanks, AJ. Yeah. Then we have Tim Lennerer. He says, The War Game. A mock documentary about the effects of atomic warfare on England by Peter Watkins. It was commissioned by the BBC in 1965 and then banned by them for being upsetting. Apparently the powers that be at the Beeb wanted a quasi-catastrophe, not an unremitting horror and bleakness. Watkins held theatrical screenings because it was only banned from the airwaves and theaters didn't count. It won an Oscar for Best Documentary. Peter Watkins is a motherfucking badass. British gets really uptight about... They do, don't they? ...about their entertainment. Yeah, good thing we don't ever... <laughs> Up next, we've got Jason Harlow says Clown House. No? Oh, I think it's a good movie, but it's, you know, tainted in bad history. Okay. That's Victor Silva's first movie. And Teresa Clark says The Stand. Bobby Nash says It. Josh Brown. 3B Entertainment out of Des Moines says Salem's Lot, 1979. Scared me shitless as a kid, and it it's still fun to watch now. I wouldn't go near a window for at night for years. <laughs> Derek John says Salem's Lot is my favorite, but I also like it a lot. Peter Parker says no, no, put that get put that Spider-Man. face away. <laughs> Peter Parker says it. Scared the shit out of me when I was younger. Couldn't sleep for two days. Tales from the Crypt is an awesome series. And Twin Peaks, that 
revolutionized series, but I don't know if it's considered horror or psychological mystery, TH, and then a lot of science because just to fuck with Mike. Because <laughs> that's a dirty word. See, Peter Parker listens to the show. Thank you, Spider-Man. George James Fraser says, Storm of the Century. Nick Leadham says, Frankenfish is pretty far up there for me. Nick Leadham also says, <laughs> Cinemax's Creature Feature Film Series is also great. The idea for each was to take the name of an old AIP horror film and make something new out of it. It amounted... Was that the Stan Winston project where they remade remade all those... Yeah, they remade yeah. all those... And uh, I never saw any of them, but I heard they weren't very good. But I remember they released a really kick-ass action figure line of those... Um, of those, there's Brian. I hear him. Yeah, yeah. So Can he you says, hear me now? Yep. <laughs> he says it amounted to a handful of TV movies that had sci-fi original level cheesiness, but with Stan Winston Studios doing the creature effects. Okay, of the of the five movies they made, Earth versus the Spider is probably my favorite. The guy grows spider fangs, which inexplicably cause him to talk like Christian Bale's Batman voice. <laughs> 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 then we have Stephen Ronquillo says Dark Secret of Harvest Home Mm-mm. I don't know that one either anybody nope. um, Pete Hootsock says Salem's Lot hands down Willis Wheeler says It Trilogy of Terror 1 and 2 I never there saw was the a second one. one yeah there was a second one but I never saw it and I thought, and I thought it was a direct video release, not a made-for-TV. But I, I mean, I'm probably wrong. Probably. Yeah, I think it was the second trilogy of terror is made for USA. <laughs> oh, you know what? You're right. I do yep. remember that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> hey, check this out! It's Fly Girl herself, Amber hey! Collins Tracy says, "Salem's Lot" and "Storm of the Century." Thanks, Amber, for commenting. Yeah, thanks, Amber. Uh, we got Keith Gilbert says Twilight Zone, the one with William Shatner on the plane telling people there's a monster on the wing. Classic. Yeah, classic. It's the best one. Mm. Um, Matt Shivers <laughs> says The Stand. But also, do you guys remember Mr. Boogity? It was a wonderful world of Disney movie. And he yep. put a picture. You remember Mr. Boogity? I've never seen it, but I know of it, yes. It's... I own Mr. Boogity oh. and the second one on DVD. Aren't those really rare? Um, They just put out, the well, about last last year, about this time, they put out the both of them on a single DVD, and you could only get them through, like, the Disney Club or whatever. Oh, and okay. Luckily, my niece is part of the Disney Club, and I saw that go up online, and he I did air quotes her. for niece, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Oh, no, no, really, uh, my, well, actually, I texted my brother-in-law, and I was like, hey, put that movie on her order for me, so <laughs> I used her membership and paid, like, ten bucks, and yeah, now it's going for, like, a hundred, because I guess they only did a small number of them, but. Awesome. Yeah, because I thought that thing was vaulted, like, forever, so. Yeah. Cool. But, yeah, I like, I like that one, it's, it's pretty much pure nostalgia, but, I mean, you have a monster that's, you know, pretty unique, and it's it's better than Gargoyle, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Easy. Easy. That's up for debate. 
All right, and that's all we have on Facebook over on the Twitter. Twitter. We got Chris Cook at Cookula. That's C-C-O-O-K-U-L-A. Yep. He says, Salem's Lot equals one of my favorite movies. He says, then A-O-T-K-P, one of my favorite podcasts. Y'all are the best. Oh, thanks, buddy. Wait, that's us, right? Yes. Yeah, that's us. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Big sweetie. And you're one of my favorite Twitter people that listen to our show. And another one of our favorite Twitter people is Don and Nelly at Don underscore and Nelly. He says, Sci-Fi Channel originals from 2004 to 2007 are truly awesome. <laughs> Could also mention Dark Knight of the Scarecrow or Terror of London Bridge as well. Wow. I've never seen that, but I'm assuming they're falling down. Yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then lastly on Twitter. <laughs> that falling uh, backwards of a chair. Good. <laughs> You fall down with your joke, bad joke. Anyway, um, I was just was going to say that us tweeting about stuff is and our influence on the general public is paying off because Ooh. I was posting about Ghost Watch when I was watching it, you know, and yeah. tied it to the show. And then our, this guy named Scotland Thompson, Ooh. old Scotty, yeah. he says, I haven't seen Ghost Watch. I have Shudder. Fixing that now. Yeah, good. So, got him to watch that. Hopefully awesome. he, he should get on and let us know what he thought. But anyway, that's uh, shout-outs. You can call us and stuff. <laughs> if you want. <laughs> you can call. Well. Yeah, tell like, them how. Like they don't know the number already. But if they don't, I've now had time to find it. And the number is... Four one five nine five two six eight five seven. Or if you want to get clever and cool and help you remember, it's four one five nine five AOTKP. And that's shout outs. We interrupt your regularly scheduled and highly questionable entertainment to bring you a late breaking news item. In an abandoned farmhouse just off Highway 63 near Ottumwa, Iowa, police are reporting the discovery of all 13 people who have gone missing in the region over the last few months. The descriptions of the scene coming to us are ghastly, almost beyond words. Victims of local madman, insane Mike Saunders, have been strung up with RCA cables, bound with countless feet of videotape, and in one particularly gruesome case had their skin glued to an old vinyl chair with stale beer residue and their eyelids stapled open. Dozens of television sets line the walls, and countless excessively large video boxes litter every available surface. Closer inspection revealed titles like Return of the Alien's Deadly Spawn, The Gourmet Zombie Chef from Hell, and The Abomination. <laughs> Saunders, it seems, was forcing his victims to watch an endless stream of low-budget 80s horror films on an outmoded form of playback technology known as VHS. As he was escorted into a waiting police cruiser, Saunders was reported to have said, Someday you'll see. I'll make the whole world like me. Every one of you expletive deleted will bow before insane's picks we now return you to the broadcast already in progress So for this episode of Insane's Picks, man, I'm really excited about this one. Oh, I've been so excited for a long time to talk about this one. Um, 
because this was a, disco a recent discovery random pick. I love those. Like a movie that you just for some reason you just randomly stumble upon. Doesn't seem like we do that as much as we used to as a kid, right? Not nearly as much as we used to as a kid. And I don't know if you can blame... You know, the streaming services like Netflix and, and Amazon for that, or just the fact that we just have all this technology that, like, there's just no surprises anymore. I don't know. Or but, the fact that we're old as shit and we've seen everything. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, there's that. Um, but it's because of Amazon that I stumbled upon this. Um, it was a, It's actually a movie that was made just, just not that long ago, to, uh, t uh, 2016, and it's a movie called Winner's Tape All... The Henderson Brothers Story. Now, it's not really a horror film. It's more of a comedy. But it's definitely a comedy for horror fans. And anybody who's ever listened to the show or that knows me, they know I'm a huge fan of the, of Brutal Massacre. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite um, mockumentaries. And I love a good mockumentary, a, a comedy that's made of a documentary style. Um, and, and when they really try hard to be authentic with it. We talked about that earlier in the show. And Winter Tapes All um, is is reminds me so much of Brutal Massacre. And it's it's great. So what the what Winter Tapes All is about, it's uh, the story of Michael and Richard Henderson, two stepbrothers from West Virginia, who saw an opportunity during the VHS market of the eighties to make their own backwards horror movies. So, not only am I a huge fan of, like, you know, comedic mockumentaries, I'm also a huge fan of 80s shot-on-VHS movies, like Splatter Farm, Cannibal Camp Out, Video Violence, Redneck Zombies. And so, this movie was just, like, everything I was looking for. <laughs> um, they made two movies, the Henderson Brothers made two movies that they show clips from throughout, the, throughout this movie. One called Curse of Stabber Man, <laughs> and another one called Cannibal Swim Club. <laughs> so, this movie, it's, it's, and what's great about it, it's like, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a long watch. It's only an hour and seven minutes long, so it's really short. Um, with a budget of only a thousand dollars, it was directed by Justin um, Cannell, a filmmaker from West Virginia. He made his first movie at the age of seventeen, called "Raising the Stakes" in two thousand five. Um, there's a huge joke. Some of the jokes in this movie just they land so well with me. Um, one of the huge jokes in this movie is about how it rained during the filming of Cannibal Slim Club, and they just left it in the movie. Um, and actually made it a part of the movie, which is art imitating life because that really happened when they were making Winter Tapes All. When they were shooting the scenes for Cannibal Swim Club for Winter Tapes All, it was raining that day, so they just wrote that into the script. The, there's a footage. There's a scene of footage of a vampire movie that the Henderson brothers made as teenagers that never actually was finished, and it's actually. And when they show clips of it in Winter Tapes All, it's actually footage from Justin's first movie, Raising the Stakes. Um, the filmmakers do a really amazing job of capturing the look, the feel, everything cheesy and bad about these VHS backwards movies from the 80s. From amazing one-liners like, 
Don't you think if that was true, they'd teach us that in our history lessons? All the way right down to every kill, the person has to spit up blood. And they actually talk about that in the movie too, how the, guy, the director talks about how he it's authentic that every time somebody gets killed, they split up blood because that's medically accurate. Uh, they talk about what is considered walk time, and there's also swim time, which is a technique they developed, which is used to spe to pad the running time. So it's basically just scenes of people walking through the woods or swimming in the pool, much like you see in many of those great classic uh, VHS movies, padding the running time, which is walking around. Um, so I think this this whole mockumentary is done so well and captures the look and the feel of those early VHS uh, 80s horror movies that it literally took me six minutes into the movie to, before I realized that it was a mockumentary and it wasn't real. It wasn't until, like, the uh, Hernandez, or the uh, the Henderson brothers, not Hernandez brothers, oops, the Henderson brothers talk about where their horror movie influences came from, came from, came from a movie called I Piss on Your Grave, that I realized, okay, this isn't real because there isn't a movie from the late 70s, early 80s called I Piss on Your Grave. So There is one nowadays, but there wasn't one back then. So Again, really easy watch. It's only an hour and seven minutes long with a budget of $1,000, but I've, I've never seen anybody use a $1,000 budget so creatively and so masterfully as they do in this movie because... When you're making shitty backyard VHS movies, you don't you don't need a budget at all, and it's really funny. Uh, the the actors who play the brothers are hysterical. I recommend checking it out. It's it's free to watch if you have um, uh, Amazon Prime. It's called Winners Tape All: The Henderson Brothers Story. Sounds like they made it for you, dude. Totally made it for me. It was awesome. Found this movie at just the right time, right in this phase that I'm in, where I'm writing my own movie about shooting a movie. On I wondered VHS. that too when you're talking yeah. about it. Mm -hmm. Cool. So that's it. That's the show. That ends our broadcast day. Thanks everybody for listening. That really means a lot to us to know that you are out there hanging on our every word. Uh, also want to thank our Patreon donators, and if you too want to donate and kind of help out the show, just go to patreon.com backslash AOTKP. Um, I would like to leave you with a quote from Fred Allen. Imitation is, is the sincerest form of television. And now we return you to, return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast! Yeah!